Just a very quick thing before we get started. If you've not yet subscribed to Some Assembly Required on your favorite podcast player, then please do. It'll help me a lot. Some Assembly Required is about matters of the heart and the head. And this episode is extra special for me. One, because Danny Painter has agreed to share openly about her journey to therapy. And I think her story may just help break some stigmas. And two, because I get to express my gratitude to Danny for helping me get out of my own way. If it weren't for that chance conversation at an event in 2022, this podcast might not exist. Your words, they rang so true for me, Danny. And for that, I'm very thankful. I love that. Oh my gosh, I remember that conversation actually. I feel like though, and I have to say this to you, I really feel like you already knew you were going to do it. You just needed someone else outside of your circle to say, yes, do it. That's all you needed. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think up until when we spoke about it, I didn't really have the right language. So, for example, friends or industry colleagues would say, you know, go for it. You're so good. Of of course, you can make a podcast. And I felt like I was just being placated. Mm. It was just being thrown about, you know, and because they knew my technical skills. But then when we spoke, I told you that I didn't feel qualified to speak about trauma, mental health, um, neuroscience, you know, all these things. Mm. And your words were something to the effect of your lived experience qualifies you to talk about those things. So thank you. No, thank you. It has been an incredible, it's, it's been so incredible to watch it, like from beginning, beginning, from even before there was anything to where it is now. But just like that, that whole thing about Oh, people are just placating me. They're just being nice. They're just being, they're just being kind. I think we all feel like that. And I, I also struggle with accepting that people are genuine when they say, no, you're good or you're talented or you're beautiful or whatever it is. And I really think we all need to get out of our way about that because I don't think that's healthy. What is the name on your birth certificate? Because when I read your Instagram bio, Danny like the boy, painter like the artist. Yeah. Feels like it was created. No, it's me. No, on my birth certificate, I am Danielle Harting. Um, but I married into painter. And when I started Kids TV, we dropped the Danielle and went for Danny. So now I'm Danny Painter. What's it like inside your head? <laughs> Noisy. No, no, it's a lot. Um I, it's busy all the time. I never stop thinking. I overthink every single thing I do. I'm already living for tomorrow, next week, Thursday, tonight, yesterday. I'm still there. It's very, very busy. Have you managed to quiet that? How do you quiet that? That's a very good question. There are moments that there is nothing. And, um, one of it's, it's probably not the healthiest coping mechanism, but one of them is when I'm getting tattooed, I find that it is very soothing to my soul. And, um, this is going to land so dodgy, but pain switches my brain off. So when I'm, when I'm, when I'm being tattooed, it definitely like allows me space, which is probably why I'm almost covered. How many do you have? Mm-mm, no, I don't know. I think last count was around 20, but that was about three years ago. So more, maybe 30. I don't know. So did I understand this correctly, that the pain helps you to switch off? Yeah. Yeah. What does your therapist say about that? <laughs> oh, my therapist is so lovely. He, um, I, I really worry that he judges me and I worry that he's more worried about me than he lets on sometimes. We haven't really covered that aspect. We're kind of just working through a lot of the other stuff 
um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned that he's going to worry about me more, but we'll, you know, we'll cross that bridge and Richard will live. You mentioned uh, kids TV a little earlier. What is your strongest childhood memory? Is, is it, has it got anything to do with being on television? It has most, mostly to do with being on television. Um, I, so just a little bit of backstory. I started in the industry when I was around six in theater, musical theater, into kids TV and then into radio. Um, and I think one of my strongest memories were, I mean, there are many and I've had a very full and colorful life. But I think one of the biggest ones was I was at an event and I was surrounded by people and it was, I think the first time that I realized that I was triggered and I had anxiety and I needed to get out. And there, there, there are pictures of this event and I look fine and I look happy and I look like I'm living my best life, but I was just a 16 year old alone in a crowd of people that all wanted a piece of me. And I had no idea how to navigate that. And I think that's when I realized mm -hmm. that this was not okay and I needed out. When did you go to start going to therapy? Oh, in January this year. <laughs> okay, so it's a long time after the fact. Yeah. And it's been building, I suppose. On a scale of one to ten, how tolerant is your family structure of everything? How accepting are they of things? I mean, I would, I'd like to say 10 because I'm pretty sure they're going to listen to that, but that would be a lie. Um, so obviously I come from a, a mixed race family. My dad is Zulu. My mother is Jewish. And I think in both of those cultures, there is an ethos of you are depressed because you're not working hard enough. I see. Or you are unhappy because you are bored or you're lazy. And I remember my grandfather actually saying that. And with my dad's culture, it's not really accepted to talk about feelings. Okay. You work until you carry on. Mom is the same. As my mom's gotten older, though, I think she's become more tolerant because she realizes that there are different things. And you can be a functioning, working, productive member of society and still be sad. Um, so I don't think my dad knows that I'm in therapy. I've no, We've never spoken about it. If he does, um, he probably would support it. My mom is very supportive and she often asks how it's going and what we talk about, but um, I can't tell her because sometimes it's her. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a necessarily in a bad way, right? I think that's the thing that we, we need to learn through therapy or those that haven't gone to a therapist. It's not necessarily to, to cast blame on other people. It really is for us to understand ourselves better and therefore how we interact with the world it makes a big difference to be able to talk about it. I struggle. I'm not going to lie. When I went to therapy, I ended up with a hypnotherapist and I didn't know I was going to see a hypnotherapist. It was just the therapist that was recommended to me. And because I was enduring burnout and only when I got there and he's like, so my speciality is hypno. And I was like, what are we doing? And it worked out far better for me, I think, because I've now tried talk therapy since then. And that doesn't just, it just doesn't really work for me. And I think to that end, then it's not always about the person that we're there to speak about. It's more about learning us about ourselves and that reflecting back and forth. Right. Yeah. And how do you, how to deal with yourself on the daily? You know, we have so many behaviors that we have to unlearn. And it's so funny how all of us, all of us only reach out when we are at rock, rock, rock bottom. Um, I went through a really, really bad last like four years, I would say. And was considering therapy the whole time through it. The whole time I was like, I should see someone, I should see someone. And it took really, really hitting that 
super darkness of, I don't want to be here anymore for me to actually even Google therapists near me. I was going to ask you, and now that you've led me there, why did you seek professional help? I went through a really rough four or five years, but also not knowing that that was on the back of other stuff that had happened that I didn't deal with, right? From childhood, from teenage, from, from all of these, these spaces and places that we're in and all of the traumas that happened from, you know, being SA'd to being groomed to, I mean, kids TV was all just like on its own. Um, and then I lost my grandparents um, within the space of two weeks. And they were the foundation of our world, my, my world, specifically my family. And I found my grandfather and I kind of, I never mourned that. I never, I never like did anything with that. I kind of, I'm so sorry you had that experience. I adore slam. So everything lives in nice compartmentalized little cupboards in my head and I never deal with it. Okay. COVID happened and we were all alone with our feelings and I was drinking myself into the floor and I realized that I hated everything about my life, but it was my fault because I chose it. And I got to a point where I really didn't want to be here anymore. And that scared me because if you look at me from the outside, everyone is always saying how amazing it is, you know, and how great my life is. And it is, but that doesn't make it good. I think I was so far away from myself that even if I had 5 million rand in the bank and I was living on a yacht in Monaco, I would still have been in the same space because I wasn't sitting with myself. And so I drank half a bottle of vodka and Googled therapists near me. And um, I didn't find one near me. I found an online therapist who was a Soto Zen Buddhist monk, but also a therapist. And that kind of resonated with me because I wanted to heal all of me. Right. I wanted to reconnect with the universe and nature and myself. And I really just wanted to feel better. And so, yeah, um, we had our first session and now I'm with Richard once a week, every week. I'm so happy you found the therapist for you as quickly as you did. Me too. Because that doesn't happen necessarily for everybody. I've heard stories where my wife, for one, had seen several different therapists throughout her university days and then post. And there were just some that she just really didn't click with. For some reason, she pursued seeing therapists because she obviously knew she needed help. Yeah. I'm so glad you found someone as quickly as you did. That's remarkable. And kudos to Richard. Shout out to him. No, big shout out to him. So full disclosure, there were two therapists that I'd found that I liked the the vibe of. Right. I'm an energy kind of, I'm like one of those weirdo hippies with crystals. Um, and I like the vibe of both of them. And I actually screenshotted both of their profiles on this website and I sent them to my best friend, Ronaldo. And we both went through both of those profiles and we both leaned into Richard. You know, one was very psychiatrist driven with medication and there was Richard where that could be an option, but it was more a lifestyle change, meditate, do the good things first. And we both went, okay, no, that's the one. And it, I mean, yeah, I know I'm so privileged, so lucky to even be able to afford it is a privilege. Well, this is the other thing, right? Sometimes we don't know we need it. And then we feel we can't afford to do that for ourselves as well. And I suppose there are many layers there too, isn't it? Because then we speak about, do we love ourselves enough to put the effort in to better ourselves and to become more healthy? 
I can relate to what you were talking about, how people on the outside would say, but you've got it all together and everything looks great. How can you possibly, you know, be having these thoughts, whatever they may or may not be. And for me, very similarly, people can look at me and go, but you've got it all together. What do you mean? You seem to be coping fine. I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's what I'm projecting to you, that I'm doing my level best to make sure that you are okay. I still need to get back to what that is mm. for me. Like, why do I deep down do that? And I assume it has something to do with a childhood trauma that I just haven't figured out yet, that I'm not even aware of. What aspect of being in the spotlight at an early age, you speak about that singular event with, that sort of triggered, but what do you think being in the spotlight at an early age has done to empower you versus the things it may have done to maybe cause trauma that triggers now in your adulthood? I think it gave me... It gave me a sense of purpose when I was young um, and also it taught me connection and how important that is. Mm -hmm. um, it taught me skills that I don't think I could have learned at any university um, for the job that I currently do, where whether it be interviewing skills, lighting, camera, um, I was very involved in, in all of it and I try to learn as much as I could and I'm incredibly grateful to the humans that allowed me those spaces. Um, I learned a lot about the industry, which I'm very grateful for because now I feel like I'm set up to be okay um, when negotiating a contract or negotiating a new show or pitching. But I, I also think that it's on the flip side, it became me. I became Danny, the kids TV presenter. And when that went away, I feel like I lost, I felt like I lost something. Right. I felt like I lost a piece of me, which is actually a good thing because it, I then realized that I am not what I do. Um, I'm just Danny who has this cool job. Mm. And isn't it interesting then that for many people, when we, we pile on all the good things. So it's interesting to hear you talk about there are good things. Yeah. But it's not all good and to recognize that sometimes the, the bad is as equal. That's both. Plus there's other stuff, right? It's both. And there are things that we need to take into consideration. Uh, so when you lose all those, that the thing that has caused your identity or created your identity, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's evolving, right? It's finding a new way to interact with the world and letting go almost like shedding a skin. I'm, uh, reptiles are not my favorite, but letting go, <laughs> And rebirthing in, in some in some way. This is all sounding very esoterical all of a sudden. I but love it. I'm living for this energy. Yay. And coping with the pressure to perform, I mean, that surely also shows up in your adulthood too. Something that you were doing constantly as a child. The pressure to perform now, how does that show up? So that's something we're actually, um, we've been talking about a little bit because I do feel it now more than ever. And I've also realized, and this is, oh, this is going to sound so me, 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 me. But I, I've realized recently that I've never not been some version of daddy painter. Okay. If I, and, and someone actually pointed it out to me uh, about a month ago. Um, they, we were in the car on the way back from something and, um, they said, you know, I never realized that you're always on. Mm. I never realized that if we're at a restaurant or if we're at an event or if we're at a mall or if we're, you're always on, you're always daddy painter, unless you're at home. And it's not entirely different, but there, you know, there has to be a piece of me that I keep for me. And I realized it when he said it and I was like, wow, you are right. And I, I, 
it clicked for me that perhaps some of the feelings of isolation and burnout and anxiety could be from that. So mm. there is definitely a pressure to perform. There isn't always on and it's, it's okay, but I need better tools to deal with it. And that's something that we're working on. I like that. Has Richard been able to come up with tools that you can walk away with, that you can implement when you are in a position of, let's say, flight, fright, freeze? Yes. Have, have you got tools at the moment? And what, are that, what does that look yes, like? 100%. So I, I, I mean, you know this, but and, I, and a lot of people know this because I post about it. I have very, very bad anxiety all the time. Pretty much all day, I'm anxious most of the time. But there are panic moments in my day where I then need to fight, flight, freeze. And Richard has given me breathing tools to calm my nervous system and bring me back to myself. Um, and it's, um, it's, I think he calls it square breathing. So it's in, a hold, out, and again. Um, but also we have been working on daily practices because this is not a, I'm not going to ever probably be better. It will never be gone, but I need to manage it better. And in, in the daily practices that will then get me there. And it's small things like getting up in the morning and 15 minutes, but like straight after 15 minutes, after you've been up, um, straight to meditation and meditate. And whatever that looks like for you, whether that's prayer or meditation or a guided meditation, it doesn't matter. Um, and you do that for as long as you want. We started with five. I'm up to about 20 minutes. Um, and we do that twice a day. I'm journaling. Um, I am getting out in the sunlight. I'm trying to fix my relationship with food. Um, trying to move my body more. So it's all of these practices that we do that when something happens, I can go back to those spaces. But for the moment, it's breathing, um, which I think also we need to understand that when you're panicking, it's very hard to go, oh, I'm just going to breathe and it's going to be fine. You're fighting your yourself, right? Um, but it has definitely helped me more than once in the last couple of months, the breathing. And it's so stupid because we breathe all the time. You would think that just breathing would be okay. Like it's the, it's the silliest thing. And really channeling our focus on that, listening to you reframe everything for yourself. And I know people on that may not have gone to therapy, but they're listening and they're going, I can identify with that, that feeling of pressure. I can identify with that feeling of anxiety or not wanting to enter a, a crowded room because I, I prefer to be on the outside of the circle or, and they don't quite understand why those things sit within them. They just know they don't, it's a, there's a barrier. And as you reframe that and talk about breathing, it is such a, it, it's such a normal, we do it all the time. We don't even think that we're breathing. We don't think about our breathing, but what a difference it can make when we do focus our energy on doing just that one thing and and letting it really go through our bodies and just focusing on that it makes such a massive difference my therapist told me to do something about pushing into my hand i've already forgotten i should really go back to him but like doing a, a thing where i feel my my nervous system again that is being overstimulated and to press down into my hand which means nobody else can see me doing it and to really just count into that mm. and to to breathe whilst doing so um, again, just a nice little tool that you can use at any point that doesn't show up like I'm going to close the door. I have to go behind, you know, close doors to, I have to go breathe. right? I have to go yeah. breathe. Um, it's such a simple thing to do. So I, I love that. 
is there something that truly scares you? And for good reason. I don't mean a snake or a spider. I mean a life event that truly does scare you and you, you really want to avoid it at all costs. I mean, there's a lot that truly, truly scares me. I, but definitely something that I, because of my grandparents, death terrified, terrifies me. Not so much anymore. We've definitely worked on it. Um, but I think the, the idea of dying makes me incredibly nervous. But also on the flip side, I wanted it at one point, you know? So there was that whole figuring that what, why we were there and then also working on the why we're scared. And that scared me because then I was worried that if I wasn't scared, it would be easier, you know, to not be here. Um, but it doesn't work that way. Therapy is very weird. Never works the way that you think it does. I'm, yeah, so death, I'm, I'm still working on death. We're not a hundred percent good with dying, but I don't think anyone is because it's the unknown, right? We're all kind of mm. unsure. Um, any kind of illness, sickness terrifies me, but I also think that's because of my grandparents and we're working on that. Other things, I mean, I have anxiety around a lot of things, but that's kind of, you put your head down and you do it. But I think, illness and hospital and doctors and dying, but they kind of tie into each other, which then of course leads me to be overly cautious. And then that in turn gives me anxiety. So it's just this wonderful circle of events. Right. Trauma for you. I know you've spoken now about finding your grandfather and death being very real. How does the trauma show up? Is it literally just anxiety? And you, what does that look like then? And for Danny, on a given day where she experiences trauma, she's been triggered. What does that look like? How does that show up in your life? I think there are many ways that it shows up. Um, I think recently, I, I'm my body is not good. Um, you can hear I'm a bit nasal. Um, I've been sick for a really long time, actually. Um, and I think that that's one way that it's been showing up. But also it shows up in my destructive behavior and my destructive, self-destructive patterns um, in the not going to bed, not eating, not sleeping, drinking too much, partying too hard, um, running essentially is that's all that that is. When you're doom scrolling or when you're binge drinking on a weekend, you're running. You, you don't want to be alone with yourself because self is scary and healing is hard. Um, so that's definitely how it shows up. When I am triggered immediately, I start to feel the anxiety build up around my chest and throat area and feel like I can't breathe, can't swallow, and then immediately start panicking that I'm going to get sick or faint. And then I panic because people will see me get sick or faint, and then I panic harder. Um, and then I, I flat. I need to get out, go, leave, um, and breathe. So, yeah, um, look, we, it sounds a lot more dramatic than it is. You will never see that. You'll never, ever see me do that. If you know me well, you know my tics and you know what I will, like the, what I do with my body or my hands. Um, and you'll know that I'm having an anxiety attack. But if you don't know me, you will, you would never, ever see. And isn't that remarkable that we do just keep up and, and carry on going as you talk about working through the anxiety? Many people on the outside, and I'm sure this will resonate for you, 
you work on stage, yep. you work on a microphone, you speak in front of crowds all the time. Danny surely copes with, with the onslaught of people looking at her all the time. In fact, Danny wants that, you know. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's not the entire Danny, right? That's not you in your entirety. Um, and it's difficult to explain that to others. So I want to say I'm exceptionally proud of you for working through what you're working through. And there was something you said a little bit earlier about um, the doom scrolling and the running, the escapism, because healing is hard. Yeah, It's much easier for us to disappear into a box of chocolates or scroll through Instagram and judge other people's lives or, you know, but to do the, the work is really hard and it does take time. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing for us to remind others of. It's not just going to happen. It's taken us however many years to get to this point. You need to give yourself the grace to realize that it's going to take a while to, to unlearn, to detangle, to rewire and to reframe how we interact with the world. And it's okay if you never get to the end. There may not be an end. That's okay. As long as you are actively doing the work and putting in the daily practices. And I'm saying this, I haven't meditated yet today. I haven't eaten anything but coffee yet. And it's almost 10 o'clock, but I will, I will be better. You know, I will go and drink some water. I will go and have lunch. I will do these things. I will get out in the sunlight. And every day, if you are just 1% better, that adds up. Just do 1%. Go to bed a little bit earlier. Leave your phone somewhere else. You know, there are so many things that you can do if you're not ready for therapy yet that could help you. And I wish that I had done them, man. I would be so much further along. I hear you. I'm very proud of you. Well done. Thank you, Sean. Don't make me cry. But also, just to to the point that you made earlier, it's it's so lovely to be seen. Thank you. Um, about the you know, we, we, we work in this industry, so therefore we must want the attention and we must want to be on stage. I, um, when you asked me what I'm afraid of, I, I didn't say the thing that I, I'm actually anxious for this week and I haven't slept because I am anxious about it. And it should just be something so normal for me because I do it all the time. And everyone's always like, oh my gosh, you're so great. Thank you. I have to MC this weekend, the uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And it, I get the most incredible stage fright. As I'm walking up those stairs, I feel like I might die. Um, and I've got to get the first three sentences out before I'm okay. And I think a lot of people don't realize that just because it's your job doesn't mean you're always going to be fine with it. You know, anyone who has a big presentation or who's showing a house or is planning a lesson, there's always some anxiety around something. And that's okay too. Well said. And thank you for sharing. No problem. Danny lives in Brackpan on the far east of Johannesburg and shares her home with her husband, one cat, and six dogs. You can hear Danny Painter on Jacaranda FM and follow her journey to wholeness as she shares it in her authentic way across social media. Did you know that the international symbol for mental health awareness is a green ribbon? Reason being that green signifies new life, new growth, and new beginnings. So I thought I'd drop an Easter egg in this episode, a green heart. Please share a green heart emoticon to an Instagram story and tag me, Sean Lewitz, in it. You don't need to say anything else. It'll be our thing. 
and you can help me to continue telling stories of vulnerability with messy, perfectly weird little humans just like me by giving the podcast a five-star review on your favorite listening platform. Oh, and if you're looking for ways to incrementally build a healthier life, subscribe to the podcast companion newsletter, Something Shifted, for free. The link is in the show notes. I'm Sean Lewitz. Chat soon.